Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the I'll Be Thinking About That for a While edition. No. (laughs) Just story of every awkward thing I've ever said at every party ever. Yeah. I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, for me, it just pops up, like, randomly. Yeah, like at work, I'll think about it and just cringe to (laughs) death. I have to call it sick today because I thought about the time that I um, mm. said, what is that thing that you always say what? when someone's like, uh, happy birthday, and you're like, <laughs> you, you too. too. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, think about funny. every time that's <laughs> ever happened. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, after I'm getting dropped off at the airport, the Uber or the taxi driver goes, have a safe flight. And I go, you too. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I'm thinking it's, about that one for you. Yeah. I haven't ever done that one. <laughs> really? No, I'm I'm it's, pretty sure I have. I just I don't know. I or I combine words. <laughs> like one, one time it was a, right around November. Yeah. My favorite story. Yes. Right around November, uh, we were about to go on like a holiday break or whatever. Yeah. Just before Thanksgiving here in the states. Yeah. And. Uh, someone's just like, all right, have a great, you know, time off. And, and I just combined the words, have a nice day and happy Thanksgiving into, uh, have a Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should make that a normal thing. Um, I'm tired of telling people and people telling me to have a happy Thanksgiving. We all know it's going to be weird and we're going to have to talk to people that we're just okay with. And we're going to have to eat uh, food that may or may not be too salty. I don't know. It depends on your family. Sometimes it's too bland and then you get a stomach ache. So, you know, have a Thanksgiving feels a lot better than have a happy Thanksgiving. I feel like have a Thanksgiving is more attainable. Yeah. There is no happy Thanksgiving. It's a shit holiday. It's It's a a shit shit holiday. (laughs) It's celebrating a shitty thing. Yeah. So just have one. Don't have a good one. Have one. Have a Thanksgiving. Get through it. You can do this. <laughs> yeah, uh, put it on a tote. Put it on a tote. Yeah, let's do it. Put it on a. Ah, anyway, episode zero sixty. <laughs> episode zero sixty. Why you should give a shit about poop? This is my favorite title in the world. <laughs> this is this tops butts. Um, this is better than the summer of butts. Um, if you it was, look, and it was a long summer. It was a long summer. I think it was like 90 days of butts. It was like 90 days of butts, (laughs) uh, which is my new favorite romantic comedy uh, starring Zoe Deschanel. And it's just like every, but all of our butts titles, I highly recommend if you want to look right now, just pause this podcast and just scroll through like every title we had over the summer. It was all like wonderful stuff and terrible stuff about butts. But this, this takes the... The cake. The shit cake. Yeah. yeah. This is, we have literally <laughs> emerged from the butt. <laughs> We're finally out. Someone cue the, the gif of Armand from White Lotus. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. Oh, spoilers. But yeah. It's, spoilers. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It doesn't really spoil it. You don't know the context. Yeah. But, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jill Chacha, and I am with... Um, Spoiler free, Marissa Riley. That's me. No spoilers here. I won't ruin anything for you other than by telling you that Squid Game is good. Yeah, it's fucking, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jill Chach. Well, I said that already, didn't I? Yes. I did. (laughs) Sorry. We've had a day. So long. 
It's uh, been a long day. It's still today. Uh, what I meant to say is that if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock. Welcome to the flock. Dr. Riley here comes in cold and learns everything in real time, just like you. Uh, it's true. Um, I had no idea what we were going to talk about today. Jill gave me a clue, and I'm not going to say it now, but it has nothing to do with the title. <laughs> And I'm curious to see when that will come up or if it was uh, just a uh, diversion tactic. Uh Um, But yeah, other than the clue that she gave me that makes no sense right now, I have no idea. (laughs) I'm too tired to have a diversion tactic. (laughs) We're we're getting older. We're we're too tired for games anymore. We're just like, here's here's the core of my onion. Yep. Yeah, and here's why you should give a shit about poop. I'm like, yeah, this is the title of the go. episode. <laughs> Here you it. go, folks. Take it or leave it. Take it. Yeah, please take it. I guess we should begin. We shall. All right. Uh, you know what? We hit the big 6-0, by the way. Episode 060. Hey, yeah. 6-0. <laughs> So I thought we have to go big. We need a hefty topic that could match this milestone, literally and figuratively. So a topic was chosen. And my friends, not many things are as important and life-saving as, you guessed it, poop. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I fully agree. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of the most important parts of, I think, everyone's day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when it doesn't happen, it's so sad. And it if is. it happens too much, it's even sadder. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's well said. It's <laughs> alarming. And when yeah. it happens in a pool. Oh, no. Oh, man. Yeah. That's a memory. <laughs> That's a memory. Um, anyways, moving on. Uh, so we've got two stories today that are prime examples of how poop not only helps one species survive, but entire ecosystems. You'll never wipe your butt the same way again. And that's today's money back guarantee. Holy shit. Oh my God. I'm going to say holy shit like 15 times. And then we're both going to laugh at the fact that I'm saying shit. Yep. So prepare. There you go. Get get your shots lined up. <laughs> that's right. Uh, all right. Let's begin episode 060 by heading back in time to what was a whole other planet. 2014. 2014? Yeah. What even happened <laughs> in 2014? Don't ask me. I Don't yeah. ask me. Either. <laughs> so. I think I was drunk that year. <laughs> uh, and we're standing on a cacao farm about 50 miles north of San Jose in beautiful Costa Rica. Good times. Yeah. And for my fellow geographically challenged Americans, don't you worry, I've got you. Where is Costa Rica and its capital, San Jose? Well, my friends, please picture that thin, long stretch of land that connects North and South America. Amazing. That's Central America. And the, at, at the very, very tail end is Panama. Okay. But the country to the left of that is Costa Rica. Ah, I see it now. Now point to the middle of Costa Rica. Okay. And voila, there is San Jose. And we are just outside the city limits, looking up and into the canopy above us. A canopy? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> They're doing what it does best for like 90% of its life, is a three-toed sloth hanging upside down from a tree limb. I fucking love a sloth, Right? Man. I fucking love a sloth. I love a sloth video. Yeah. I love that they exist. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really glad we're talking about them right now. All about sloths. All yep. about sloths. So, now... It could be dangerous, even deadly, for humans to hang upside down for 
too long a period. Uh, check out episode 042, Body of a Man Found Inside Dinosaur, to find out exactly why we went oh, into that. Oh, it's a doozy. <laughs> yeah, so. Don't don't fall in or don't climb into a dinosaur. Yeah. Stay away from dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can get stuck. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but fun fact, according to worldanimalprotection.us, sloths can chill their days away in that position because their organs are attached to their ribcage, oh. which means those organs can't weigh down on the lungs. Oh, right? I see. Yeah. It all makes sense now. Yeah. Nice. So now that's one of many, many, many cool facts about these adorable, arboreal, neotropical mammals. Cool. <laughs> so I'll say that three times fast. No. <laughs> Uh, a boreal is just a fancy fucking name for something that lives in trees. I kind of guessed that. Hi. Because, um, Arbor Day. Uh, what the fuck is Arbor Day? <laughs> that's, that's tree day, right? Oh, Jesus. Arbor Day is for, for trees, right? Well, I'm glad they have a, a day. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry if I'm wrong and it's actually like a, a beer festival or something. <laughs> I am pretty sure Arbor Day is a, a tree day. That's cool. Uh, DM us right into us if I'm wrong. <laughs> you know, it is now. Amazing. A- Arbor Day for trees <laughs> and beer. Right. Have an Arbor Day, everyone. <laughs> Have an Arbor Day. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> uh, but we're here today to discover a new fact about them and to solve a goddamn mystery that researchers couldn't really agree upon. Ooh. Why is it? This animal, who spends the vast majority of its life way the fuck up hidden inside the tops of trees, makes its way down to the tropical rainforest floor to do only one thing. Poop. They're not pooping from atop the trees? No. I would, I would think that's one of the coolest things <laughs> about being any kind of animal that can chill on a tree. Yeah. I would, I, that's how I would do it every day. Because... Yeah. Then there would also be the added benefit of shitting on my enemies and my haters and really anyone. I feel like that would be fun. Shit from above. Yeah. There you go. Watch out, haters. (laughs) Now, again, it's a... Also, a, a funny question to ask because, yeah, we're, 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 we're shit, we shit from above. That's, that's our, our thing. Yeah. That's what we would do. Yeah. So remember, we're talking about sloths here. So it's even weirder that it's a sloth because even if you don't know all the super cool stuff about them, you do know one thing. They're fucking slow as fuck. Oh, that's <laughs> right. right. It would take them a thousand years yeah. to get down a tree, take a shit, and then go back up the tree because <laughs> they probably want to go back up. Right. Right? Exactly. They move at a whopping point. 17 miles per hour. I don't know how slow that is, but it sounds very slow. It's, uh, <laughs> it's less than a mile per hour. That's, that's too slow. It's so slow. That's too slow. Like you said, a hike down a tree, sometimes 80 feet straight down, could be a life-threatening journey for them for, no. yeah, for many, many reasons. Um, Dr. Marissa, please tell us more and elaborate on the dangers of a sloth taking a poop down below. Will do. You got it. All right. According to... <laughs> animals.sandiegozoo.org quote a sloth's main predators are big forest cats like jaguars and ocelots birds of prey such as harpy eagles oh my god and large snakes like anacondas as for their source and metabolism uh, their energy source and metabolism sloths are solely 
foliivores, surviving on the extremely limited caloric intake of leaves, twigs, and buds. This provides an enough energy for, on average, a sloth to travel 41 yards per day, less than half the length of a football field. After finishing one meal, the foliage makes its way into a multi-chambered stomach, yeah. home to a mix of bacteria that breaks it down, a process that can take two weeks. Oh my God. <laughs> this incredibly slow digestive process means, according to smithsonian.com, uh, <laughs> I got this, yes. smithsonianmag.com, yeah. quote, they descend from their treetop abodes about once a week to, well, take a dump. End quote. <laughs> That's right. This, I mean, sometimes I think my life is complicated. Yeah. This sounds very complicated, but I do like the slow pace. It's very slow. Everything is slow. Two yeah. weeks Two weeks to digest one meal. It's I, fucking crazy. My anxiety would get in the way. I'd be like, <laughs> oh, we've got to do something. We've yeah. got to drink some water. I don't know. <laughs> some bran flakes. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, so they're risking life and limb, exposing themselves to fucking jaguars, and burning up what little calories they take in, all in the name of pooping in a very specific place. It's a little weird. It is a little weird. Quote, it's like if you had to go to the bathroom and you were programmed to run a 5K on an interstate before you could go to the bathroom. It's really risky and it's really energetically costly. Hmm. Jonathan Pauly, a mammalian ecologist at the University of Wisconsin in Madison told smithsonianmag.com. I feel like that's going to become some sort of new like health craze is like, <laughs> oh, no, you want to, you really want to lose weight? Try running a 5k every time you have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> People will die. <laughs> People will die. It's, yeah. I'm thinking about it too hard. Okay. <laughs> Tell me more about sloths. <laughs> so Jonathan and his colleagues got to thinking. They had a theory that these sloths became daredevils because uh, the high risk of pooping out in the open reaps high rewards. My friends, this is what I mean. The body of a sloth isn't a deserted island. Its fur is actually home to a surprising number of beetles, moths, bacteria, and fungi. So much so, the brown three-toed sloth actually appears blue-green most of the time. Wow! Yeah. <gasps> I know. I had no idea. Yeah. And if by chance you think this is gross... I do. <laughs> may I remind you of the billions upon billions of helpful bacteria that live in your gut. It's true. I, I love them. Yeah. And on your skin. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yes. I believe that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So along these same lines, these ecologists had a feeling the sloths and their itty-bitty tagalongs had some symbiotic relationship. And a poop break is, an, is like an integral... I could, I could say the word integral. Integral? Integral? In integral. <laughs> integral. I, it took me a while, yeah. too. And a poop break is integral to the survival of all of them. Okay. So, Dr. Marissa, please tell us, what did Polly and Polly and the gang notice right away about the sloth's residence? I just want to say Polly and the gang is <laughs> my favorite duop band. Um, let's see. Okay. Quote, based on reporting from the Smithsonian mag.org, article, nailed it, uh, quote, what drives a sloth's ritualistic trek to poop 
Polly and colleagues noticed that green algae and moths were the most prevalent inhabitants of sloth fur, with moths using the sloth's body as a mating ground. I know. Gross. <laughs> when sloths descended the tree, moths would lay their eggs in the sloth poop. When the eggs hatched, the larva ate the poop and hopped on to the sloth when it returned or hopped on to a new sloth. There you go. End quote. <laughs> I I uh, mean, how selfless. I know. What a saint. <laughs> I've never... Ha, wow. I know. I've never let anyone f- fuck on my body and yeah. then take a walk for their babies. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's right, my friends. The sloth's body is a mattress for horny moths and... Uh, <laughs> And a spare room for moth teenagers. So you have to ask yourself, what the fuck does the sloth get in return to being for being like a seedy motel? Yeah. So to find out, the team humanely captured 14 two-toed sloths okay. and 19 three-toed sloths okay. on that cacao farm in Costa Rica. Sounds good. They collected, broke down, and biologically analyzed fur samples and stomach contents. They even counted the number of frisky moths on each sloth. Oh, my God. And at the end of the day... They discovered a pretty intricate and delicate life cycle from our source. Quote, the researchers found that the sloths with higher levels of nitrogen in their fur had more sloths and algae on them. These sloths tended to be three-toed variety, which typically stick to the rigid schedule of descending to the forest to poop and then climbing back up. By contrast, two-toed sloths have been known to sometimes do their business while remaining in the canopy. So... They're in our camp, basically. Got it. <laughs> Members of both sloth species also had evidence of green algae from their fur in their stomach, and these algae were found to be rich in lipids. The scientists' results point to linked mutualisms between the sloths, algae, and moths. The sloth climbs down from the tree to poop, and because the ground around the tree is littered with poop from previous descents, moth larvae growing in the poop can hitch a ride back on the sloth's back. The moths find shelter and thrive in the fur ecosystem. They also bring nutrients to their new home from the poop they were born in and when they die and decompose. Those nutrients fuel algae growth in the fur and the algae supplements the sloth's diet with lipids that scientists speculate could serve as a high energy snack. Hold the phone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me just put this into like eighth grader language. Sure. Let's um, do it. Which is my language. Um, Okay. So the sloth helps the moths, which live on their bodies. Yeah. And then the moths leave nutrients for the algae. Mm -hmm. And then the algae gives nutrients to the sloths. You fucking nailed it. Because they don't eat much. That's right. You fucking nailed it. You got it. I know that was a long quote, but you... No, you read- it was amazing. <laughs> I, I was silent for a reason because I was like reading along with Jill because I wanted to understand this yeah. so bad why you would let someone literally walk all over you. <laughs> why? And I see now it's for nutrients. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Which are important. Yeah. I keep you alive. Uh, when the sloths go down and do their business, moths hop on their back and the cycle starts over again end quote so you're absolutely right everything starts with poop yep and then it leads to food sex and death which 
All the important things. I mean, if you don't relate to that, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what's going on in your life. We need to figure, we need to figure some stuff out. So, after the break, we're heading over to the opposite side of the world. We're looking at you, Australia. Yes! Right. Stay tuned. Please do. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, listeners. This is Ann Bogle, author, blogger, and creator of the podcast, What Should I Read Next? Since 2016, I've been helping readers bring more joy and delight into their reading lives. Every week, I tech all things books and reading with a guest and guide them in discovering their next read. They share three books they love, one book they don't, and what they've been reading lately. And I recommend three titles they may enjoy reading next. Guests have said our conversations are like therapy, troubleshooting issues that have plagued their reading lives for years and possibly the rest of their lives as well. And of course, recommending books that meet the moment, whether they are looking for deep introspection to spur or encourage a life change or a frothy page turner to help them escape the stresses of work, school, everything. You'll learn something about yourself as a reader, and you'll definitely walk away confident to choose your next read with a whole list of new books and authors to try. So join us each Tuesday for What Should I Read Next? Subscribe now wherever you're listening to this podcast and visit our website, whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com to find out more. Hey everyone, Jill Chacha here from Well That's Interesting, and I am absolutely thrilled to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. I use it, I love it, and it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms, so when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Good Pods, the other ones... (laughs) You get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for Podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please, stay interesting. And we're back. We are so back. We are so back and we're having fun in the sun along the glorious coastline of Queensland, Australia. Finally! (laughs) (laughs) We're looking east, out into the aptly named Coral Sea, looking for a section of the Great Barrier Reef called Heron Island Reef. Oh, I love it. That sounds so fierce. (laughs) For my fellow geographically challenged Americans, don't worry, I got you. We can find this together. Everyone, imagine Australia. Point to the northeast. Okay. And voila, the entire massive chunk of that corner is Queensland, and nearly along half of its coastline is the Great Barrier Reef. Ooh. Yeah, and at the very southern end, there's a section called Heron Island Reef, a whopping 7.3 square mile reef with a lagoon at its center. Ooh. And my friends, that lagoon is very special. Oh, is it? (laughs) I just remembered the title of this, so now I'm a little stressed. (laughs) So let's find out why. Um, oh, no. <laughs> and 
center researchers from Macquarie University, okay. University of Newcastle, and James Cook University. Colleagues there, including Vincent Raoult. Raoult? Yeah, I'd say that. Mm. A marine ecologist at the University of Newcastle. So they've been studying the health of the Great Barrier, and they recently published a paper this past February that may change the way we treat a very underrated hero. An underrated hero called the sea, cu- sea cucumber. Sea cucumber. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a sea cucumber yeah? in the flesh before. Right. What'd it look like? It looks exactly like yeah. a, a turd. Like it looks like... <laughs> yes. It looked like a sea cucumber. It's it's. I thought it was a rock. Yeah. And there were a bunch of them, and I was, and then someone was like, "Those are sea cucumbers," and I was like, "Those are alive." Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they're also very aptly named because I mean, just picture a chubby cucumber on the sea floor, or or a turd. (laughs) You got yourself a sea sea cucumber, which is so hard to say. It's so hard to say. It catches you. Sea cucumber. Sea cucumber. Sea cucumber. Jesus. (laughs) Okay. Ah, my friends, after today's show, this seemingly boring, chonky thing is going to be your new favorite animal. And here's just a few reasons why before we get to the to the big reveal. Okay. 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 Now, Dr. Marissa, let's take turns reading about this bonkers as fuck animal. What do you say? I say yes. Okay. Why don't you go first? I would love to. All right. According to smithsonianmag.com, quote, they have no eyes, resemble a colossal chubby worm, and... Use their anus for both breathing and defecating. End quote. <laughs> right. Amazing. Amazing. Heroes. Quoting sportdiver.com, these uh, these echinoderms. 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 Yes. Thank you. Have an elaborate defense system. This includes releasing dense and sticky white filaments to entangle any would-be predator. Yeah. They also expel internal organs, which are then regenerated. Some also produce whole... Holothurin. I can talk today. I, I, I know that I can. Holothurin? Holothurin, a toxin lethal to many fishes. Oh. End quote. So they can puke out their guts, become a toxic blob, and don wigs. Let's take a look. <laughs> Dr. Marissa. Sounds like a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> I have a photo of a sea cucumber. Uh, one of over 1,200 species, by the way. A, cu- a cucumber in a defensive posture. And please, tell me what it looks like to you. Uh, I think it's ready for a night out at Studio 54. Oh, is um, it? Yeah, so all all photos and will be on our social medias as per usual, so please come on by and play along. But do Dr. It. Marissa, please take a look at this photo and tell me what you see. Will do. Um, you were right. Okay, it, this, <laughs> I mean, this looks like Cher in a yes. Bob Mackie dress, which is a, a fancy way of saying a glittery dress. Um, and it, it looks a little drunk. So <laughs> she looks a little drunk. Basically, what I see is not the sea cucumber that I saw in the ocean. The sea cucumber I saw is very boring. But I see kind of this blob, and it's got like a leopard print yeah. on it. That I don't know how else to describe it other than leopard print. And then um, it looks like it's wearing a very cheap white wig, and I respect it. Yeah, it's incredible. Cheap wigs are awesome. We should yeah. all be wearing them more often. Yeah, we should get them. Yeah. We should get a few. Let's do it. So uh, why don't you do me a favor and just read our last fun fact. Uh, It's also a personal favorite of mine. Ooh, nothing would make me happier. Okay. Also from sportdiver.com, quote, pearlfish and other small animals have been known to take advantage of the sea cucumber 
using its rectum as a sanctuary from predators. <laughs> and, quote, man, these sloths and these fucking sea cucumbers yeah. are really nice. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, sometimes I think I'm nice. I am not that nice. They are. They are the welcome mat. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. That's, I mean, I wrote this in my notes on the side. Uh, a pearl fish living in the butt of a sea cucumber is the Pixar buddy film no one asked for, but it's what we need. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask for it. Yeah. Pixar, if you're listening, because they definitely are. Yeah. Um, make this movie. <laughs> I need a movie. <laughs> this sounds more relatable than Up. <laughs> That was too sad. I couldn't handle it. Yeah, it, could be, it could be about a one-sided friendship. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who can't relate to that? Oh. Uh, well, it turns out, my friends, the sea cucumber's ass slash mouth protects, <laughs> protects its friends in more ways than one. Aww. Here we are at the big reveal. After analyzing remote sensing data obtained from drone and satellite imagery, Quote, our research found that each year, sea keys, <laughs> can't do it, man, sea cucumbers, <laughs> I can do this, sea cucumbers, they can poop over 60,000 tons of sediment across a coral reef, oh my God. approximately the mass of five Eiffel Towers, co-author and marine scientist Dr. Vincent Raoult said. They shit five Eiffel Towers? They do. Oh! Yeah, five national treasures worth of shit in this one area of the reef alone, and that's a lot of shit. Yeah. Now, Dr. Marissa, please tell us, why is this a blessing? Uh, I, I, I would love to. <laughs> Um, okay, from the study, quote, sea cucumbers are closely related to sea urchins and sea stars and spend their lives eating sediment, digesting microorganisms present like algae and marine creatures and pooping out clean sediment, just like earthworms. Awesome. This process called bioturbation, <laughs> my new favorite word, uh, plays an important role in coral reefs by aer- aerate- aerating? aerating, aerating, nailed it, <laughs> the seafloor providing fresh sediment and releasing calcium carbonate into water as a byproduct to help support coral reef reef coral to, to support the coral end quote that's right to help it grow to end help quote. it grow that is so nice it's incredible i wow yeah just, uh to to use my shit to help things grow uh, it, it's really cool yeah yeah uh so sea cucumber poop is just like milk uh it does a body good especially if you're a growing coral reef uh, it makes you nice and strong, basically. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Now, I know what you're asking. What does it look like? Yeah. What, what does, does it look like? What does cucumber poop look like? And what does a cucumber look like when it's pooping? Well, you're in the right place. I have a screenshot of the moment on our social media, so please come on by and take a look. But yeah. Dr. Marissa, I'm going to show you a gif. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's gifs of this. I love it. I'm going to show you a gif of one sea cucumber doing number two. How does that sound? And please. So excited. Tell us your thoughts. I'm going to pull it up right now. All right. All right. I'm ready to watch the magic. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, um, so, I mean, it, it looks like a sea cucumber pooping, whatever you're imagining. It looks like that. It kind of looks like, um, one of those Play-Doh, like, 
instruments and you you squeeze it and the play-doh comes out in a tube yeah it kind of looks like that it's coming out of its butt mouth and uh (laughs) and then it kind of does a little fart at the end yeah uh to you know blast out any other pieces how graphic was what i just said (laughs) i am so sorry but poetry (laughs) to blast out the pieces yeah um yeah it's yeah yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. I mean, it's... I guess we can move on. Yep. Now, now, in the Heron Island Reef alone, in that region, there are about 3 million sea cucumbers doing this business every day. Amazing. And because scientists are the curious type, they wondered how much one cucumber poops daily to help get to that massive number of 60,000 metric tons a year. Yeah. So to figure this out, they did a little lab experiment. They put a few of the most abundant cucumber species, uh, the black sea cucumber or lollyfish, in a tank. And, quote, over 24 hours, the team measured the volume of feces produced by individual sea cucumbers. Okay. Every hour we would sit there, take a spoon, and collect the little fecal pellets these sea cucumbers would produce. Oh. Raoul told SmithsonianMag.com. They found a single sea cucumber poops about 1.3 ounces a day. Okay. So over the course of a year, it would produce about 31 pounds or 14 kilos of poop. That's a lot of poop. That's a lot of poop. Now, every little bit of it is being used by an endangered reef, and that's what makes this chonky animal a chonky hero. I love a chonky hero. <laughs> yes. I love a chonky hero. A hero, by the way, humans, of course, like to eat. Why? Yeah. From LiveScience.com, currently seven species are endangered and nine are vu- vulnerable to extinction. No. I know. Quote, the reduction in density means that less sediment is turned over. Study author Jane Williamson, a marine ecologist and fisheries biologist at Macquarie University in Sydney, said, In other words, fewer sea cucumbers mean less sea cucumber poop, which poses a potential threat to coral reefs. End quote. Stop eating them. Eat a regular cucumber. It's good for you. <laughs> That's right. Eat a fucking regular fish. It's, it's, leave them be. They're doing God's work with their butts. I know. Saints. 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 (laughs) So that's a fucking bummer. But with this study, a greater awareness of their importance can spread. And thus, these creatures can be protected even further. Yes. So remember, everyone poops and that unites us all or some shit. What a beautiful thing to end with. (laughs) Even when talking about shit, you are so eloquent and just so graceful, and I'm just like, it blasts the, the pieces out. <laughs> it blasted them out. I can barely say cucumber. I, <laughs> Come on. I know, but you said the poop unites us. That's fucking gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous as fuck. I love it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for <laughs> listening, subscribing, telling your friends about these chonky heroes and all the moth sex on the back of sloths. Jesus. Yeah, what? Jesus. <laughs> so, and please, stay interesting. Please do.